It's time for the Recruitment Marketing Rebelcast. This is the show for all you recruitment marketing rebels out there who are done with posting, prey, and recruitment funnels. Are you ready to bring real change to talent acquisition? Come for the voice of the candidate and stay for the snark. It's time for real talk from the front lines of the talent revolution with your hosts, Alin Bailey and Tracy Parsons. Welcome to our very first podcast. I am Elaine Bailey, and I have Miss Tracy Parsons with me. Hello, Tracy. Hello, Elaine. How are you today? You know, I'm dandy. I am not going to claim fine and dandy because I am not fine and dandy, but I'm I'm dandy. That's okay. Pick one. That's yeah, fine. Yeah, pick one is fine. Pick one. That's absolutely fine. So great. So we are going to be talking today um, uh, in the recruitment marketing space, but. Um, in a space that I think kind of crosses over um, both of our areas of, um, I'll start by calling it interest or um, maybe even, dare I say, challenge, right? <laughs> Talking about um, experience where experience and recruitment marketing um, connect up together. So I wanted to start with this topic. And I um, interesting, we've been talking about this podcast for a while. Um, and out of nowhere, you you popped up this tweet earlier on um, earlier on this week um, where you asked everybody, do they think there's such a thing as an ideal candidate experience? And I thought, so that's a pretty good question. I have a lot to say about it, but I'm wondering what prompted you to start that conversation? Well, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's really about what we're cooking up over here around um, a candidate experience index. And, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to map something and you're going to measure something and you're going to see what impact it, I just felt like there should be uh, an ideal case, like an ideal set to go from. Like if this is, if this is what we're looking for, for uh, brands and companies and employers to put forth an experience that people are going to, I don't know, I mean, I'm going to go so far as to say enjoy. Uh there should be some level set of what the baseline of kindness and goodness is. And I, you know, there was a lot of conversation on that tweet around the word ideal, um, which it was really interesting. I was like, okay, are we going to trigger people around the word ideal? And I have no problem with that, but you know, there was a lot of conversation of what, what do we mean by ideal? And I just, I, I was, I wanted to put that out there because I think that the conversation um, has moved a little bit past definition, right? I think we know a little bit more of what, what candidate experience means. Um, and I think that, you know, as we're starting to look at what an ideal, again, using that word, um, could be, it's going to be important for us to define what that might look like. Yeah, I think uh, what intrigued me the most about that tweet is it came on um, the uh, kind of right after I'd had a series of conversations here in my own organization, um, talking about um, setting up um, personas and starting to think mm-hmm. about um, some of the journey map work that we're doing. And something struck me that I've been thinking about for a while, and your tweet kind of made me pause and consider it. <laughs> um, so 
as an experienced designer, right, we have a whole bunch of tools in our tool chest. And one of the ones that we pull out all the time is this idea of kind of creating um, a persona or a pseudo representation of a group of individuals, kind of so you can understand what drives and motivates them and, and start to have a design framework to go after, right? It's that it's almost that um, person equivalent of thinking about an ideal, right? Yes. Yes. Um, now you're talking about the output of the experience, but kind of the same picture. And and I was bantering back and forth with some people and really starting to wonder, you know, at the end of the day, what the person experiences, although you can frame it, right, and you can have some boundaries around it, kind of what you think goodness may look like for this amalgamation of people that is kind of this persona that you're going after. The truth is, at the end of the day, experience is highly individual. How do you paint an ideal around something that's so highly individual? Because experience is made up of my own expectations as an individual as I walk in, kind of what I'm expecting. So you can either meet my expectations or not, and that's going to influence what experience I have. Um, it's made up of all my other experiences I've had with like situations, right? So mm -hmm. other places I may have applied or other engagements that I've had or et cetera. So that sets some sort of framework for me. I either liked them or didn't like them. They irritated me. They made me happy. They made me sad. And then I have the experience that you as a recruitment marketer are generating for me or you as a talent acquisition organization are generating for me. Your unique experience. All those things go together to create my experience. Is there an ideal expectation for what that's going to look like? Could there be? I don't know. I, I think it's an interesting place to play. And, and, and that's what we were, that's what that's what precipitated it, right? So it's like, this is a conversation that we need to start having. And I love that there are there are brands out there right now that are really pushing hard around very detailed personas and journey maps. But let's be honest, Alin, I don't even think we have a baseline uh, right. experience. I don't even think we have a baseline experience for a human being. And a couple of years ago, so I gave a talk at a conference and it was about developing experiences that create delight. And there was, there was this whole notion of friction and there've been a lot of discussions um, on this very topic around, around ideal experience that, you know what, the, the experience of finding your next job should not actually be frictionless. There should be friction. This is a big decision. Um, the decision to change companies is a huge choice that somebody's making. It's not like I've said in the past, you know, I can switch toothpaste, right? And if I don't like it, I can throw the tube out and go buy my regular brand. Uh, but I can't do that with a job. Like I, I'm really, this is a really thoughtful experience. So there has to be some level of inherent friction to it. Now, the problem that I've identified in our industry, in our base experience that we have, is first of all, it is not an experience. It is a process, and it feels like a painful process. And we've basically inserted all of our friction points at the wrong spot. So when I think about ideal, I'm really thinking about where do we place friction to allow somebody to make a good choice for themselves and for a company to make a good choice about their next hire. So I love where you're heading with this because what you're really starting to talk about is this, the, the dirty secret of experience design, right? Which is that designing an experience isn't about designing um, happiness, light and butterflies, right? Correct. It's not about making everything beautiful. 
designing an experience, the intent of an experience design is to say, what is it that you're trying to accomplish? What are you looking for people to do? The action you're looking for them to take. And then what is the experience you need to generate or to um, hopefully create for them that will have them take the action you're looking for? And sometimes that's friction, right? Correct. Sometimes you are purposely needing to set up situations where you are forcing decision, where you are creating discomfort, right? Yes. Um, a lot of experience design is about understanding as much about what makes people unhappy as about what makes people happy, right? Yes. And, and think about it, right? Most of what we're asking people to do is to make decisions, right? Yes. Decisions are microcosms of change. What is the one thing we all know about change? If everybody's heard like the change management <laughs> mantra like a million times, right? What makes people change? Yes. Thing that makes you change is when doing what you're currently doing is more painful than changing. Correct. That inherently means you have to have friction in your experience design to create action. Yes, exactly. And so when we talk about in this, you know, in that tweet, in this conversation, it really, for me, is around where are the best places that friction should lie to get the to get the result you're looking for, right? So I and and I was mapping this out for somebody not too long ago. I was like, okay, right? We have zero friction in the attraction phase. We have even less friction in the education phase, right? So we're everywhere telling everyone we're for them. And then we expect them to get excited about something that may or may not be true. And they're already starting to smell BS all over this stuff. Yeah. And then we, and then we put all the, that friction usually in the application, right? All, that's when everything from a hap, went from a friction standpoint goes completely and it bottoms out because it's just impossible. And, and when I, when I've surveyed a lot of candidates over the course of this year and doing some experience design for, for customers around their candidate and talent experiences, all of the conversations with candidates around the application are, I expect it to be terrible. I expect to have to endure it. And I will endure it if I believe in the company's mission. And I, and I, and I dig in there a little bit. I was like, well, what if it were easier? And it's funny because when I asked them about the specific application that I might be interviewing them about that, that brand, um, they can never remember it, but they will always tell me the one that they loved. Right. And, and that just sings to me because if you could, if you could bring more friction up in the candidate experience to the education phase, because you don't need everybody, you don't want everybody because not everybody is going to be a great performer for your company. And then you, then you add friction there and eliminate friction in the application, right? Yep. That's, yeah. we've got to re balance this equation. So that's what, that's what ideal means to me right now. Um, and what we're trying to develop because it's not, it's not supposed to be one giant skipping through the meadow experience, holding hands with your bestie, drinking lattes. Um, it's, it's supposed to be this decision-making process. And I want more people putting out information and content that tells a candidate or tells a person who might be interested in your company exactly who works there and exactly what it's going to take and exactly what they're going to be doing so that they can say, oh man, that's not me or that is me. <laughs> you know, preach on. I, I think you're absolutely right. And what you're, what you're pointing to is, is that 
we have, this is where we have got to start making and, and refining what it means to be in the recruitment marketing space versus the marketing space, right? Yes. So yes. In, in the marketing space and, and everything we've kind of based a lot of our core tenets around, right? As we've built sure. up this industry around recruitment marketing has been these core marketing principles, which is how do you get people in the door? How do you capture the lead, right? Yes. And yes. the more the merrier. Now we know that what we're trying to do is we don't have 10 million jobs for 10 million people. Correct. We have one job that we need to get the right person for. And yes. if we wait until the process of the application process, where we have given them all sunshine and light, and how fabulous it is and sold them on everything that's wonderful and beautiful about it. The amount of discontent that we create when we tell them no is exponentially increased. However, if we start to think about what happens further up the for further up the process where we're starting to have baseline conversations with them, baseline engagements that are honest and real and talk about who we really are, they can both self-select in and also figure out how they best engage and match in our space. And they can make choices. Yes. So they're choosing to opt in and opt out, make those decisions, right? Um, yes. Earlier on um, throughout our process and multiple times, right? Because they're going to come back to us again and again at different times in their career and at different places in their environment. It's a fundamental difference between shifting us from this idea of being a marketing function that is about getting as many as possible into the apply and instead re really forming ourselves and saying it is not about volume, it's about quality. And yes. quality is about fit and reality. And to do that, you have to have relationships. You, and, and you yeah. have to have relationships and what you have to have is that true story. So I've been talking to a lot of people lately about the concept of employer bland, um, yeah. which absolutely has run rampant in our space, right? So, and it's, be, it's come from this place of, of really, like it's come from a good place. Like we really want to position ourselves with our best foot forward. Um, but a lot of times that's not differentiated and it's not actually true. Um, it's who we want to be as opposed to who we are. And we have to start talking about who we actually are to allow people to screen themselves in and out in that moment in time. Because what ends up happening, Alina, it's not just a flooded applicant tracking system of people who have, who have just mm -hmm. blocked out an hour and a half of their life to go through our application and and have girded up, you know, and had a couple shots of fireball to get through that damn thing. <laughs> but what what happens is, is when you paint this sunshine and roses picture and you get them fired up about the fact that they're going to change the world. In fact, they don't know what that means at your brand. We can talk about that in a second. But like we tell people, you're going to change the world. We don't tell them what that actually means there, right? Which is an employer bland run run wild right there. But we get them in, we, we, we make them endure this process. We either ghost them or we progress them. If we progress them, they get in and realize we hire them. They get in and realize what changing the world actually means to this company, which means being on your A game 24 seven, including a 3 a.m. call from the CEO. Yep. Then guess what? I quit. That's not the kind of changing the world that I wanna do. And that is expensive for the company. And it's unbelievably painful for the person. And then now, now they've got all this scar tissue, which makes their experience with the next person even more miserable. So it's, it's, it's almost unethical to me that we spend all of this money creating these messaging tenants that are all about 
perfect world without anything to back it up. And we get people in and we slough them off in less than two years. Then we call them a job hopper when it's actually our fault. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and all because we have managed an entire ecosystem based on this idea that people are like widgets, right? Yeah. They can be captured right. and, and leveraged and used and pushed aside and brought back in again. I mean, think about all these technology companies out there. And it's not just technology companies. Many of them do it as well, who run their entire talent strategies around um, bursting and purging, right? Yes. Um, and we're allowed to do that, and, and companies are allowed to function this way because there has been this dearth of talent um, or this sense that talent needs needs us more than we need them. And I think that world has, <laughs> I, I think that the world has changed, right? We just, not everybody's gotten the message yet. I mean, the good news is I think people are starting to understand they have to think differently about this, but the practical under the, the practical execution of that is saying, how do I start thinking differently about how I tell the story of who we are, um, how I tell it differently than I do if I'm selling a product, Yes. because right? um, selling a, a life choice and experience, the place where people are going to spend a majority of their time, energy, and effort um, is a very different thing than selling somebody um, a, a mobile phone, right? Right. So. It requires right. us to think differently about how we sell, where we sell, when we sell, um, and what it is that we need to do in this give and take conversation that needs to happen to help people make these decisions, create those friction points in that space. Yes. Yeah. And and I think one of the things that we just have to, like, we have to start thinking people just a little bit differently because you're right. It's not selling a widget. It's not a toothpaste. It's not laundry detergent. It's actually somebody's life. Um, and something that they derive pride from. I mean, even if we're talking about um, slinging beers or at a, at a baseball game or, or you know, doing the work that we do, it's that continuum of people. They go to work for a variety of reasons, but most of it is because it, it brings some semblance of joy, whether it's, you know, a, an extra 20 bucks, you get extra pizza money uh, for your part-time gig to the work that we're doing that we feel like we're trying to change things. Um, so we have to like, we have to start thinking about them um, in, in a more human ways. Like, and they're, they're actually people. And whenever I had, when I first um, went back out on my own, I wrote this post because there's nothing language matters, right? What we say matters. And like, I, I cringe whenever I hear marketers or recruitment marketers talk about owning a relationship. You know what I mean? Right. Like I, Oh God, don't stop saying that because owning a relationship is a little slavey and we can't do that. And like, don't talk to me about getting in front of somebody. You know what I mean? If you get in front of me, I'm going to push you down. So we have to think about this, you know, less widgety, um, and more people like we are human resources. We are talent acquisition and we need to rem remember that our end game is bringing more value and more profitability to our company through the talent that we recruit and retain. And, and if you and if you understand that, if you care about that, then as a recruitment marketer, you're, you you start to understand the importance of the role that you play. You are the entry door. You are setting the stage for how that individual builds their relationship over time with your company. And and it's not yes. just about that immediate transaction that you're doing for that for that first hire, the first time through the door, right? Yeah, so and you're and setting the frame, and it has we, to, yes. Yeah. 
So, excellent. I think, right? I think that we have a lot to say on this one. I'm, I'm hoping that this is in, intriguing for people. Um, our hope is, is that over the course of the next um, uh, a few months, um, we can start having some more conversations like this and get the rest of everybody else engaged. And I'd like to hear what everybody else has to say about this, because I think that... Couldn't agree more. Um, this is a topic that um, I think there's a lot of people out there talking about um, the tactics of marketing, um, which are great. I think we all need to build our acumen um, in the recruitment marketing space on what it means and how to leverage channels and how to reach people. Um, but I think these fundamental questions about what is the role and what is the work of recruitment marketing and how does it actually fit into the landscape of talent acquisition is an important conversation for us to be having um, and for people to be putting some time aside to think about before they start taking actions. Absolutely. And if there's like things, that, if there's things that people that are listening to this want to add to the concept of ideal experience or friction, please hit us up on Twitter. Um, one thing that I will, I will say, Alin, that we all have got to get away from is this concept of the war for talent. Um, it drives me bananas. Um, it, that right now the entire experience is and feels adversarial. And if we're going to make one big shift in our comp, um, or we, we've got to yeah. go from boxing to, to dancing right now. So we keep fighting with talent and they keep yeah. fighting us. And that's why this is a miserable experience. I think there's an opportunity through, um, experience design and through recruitment marketing and employer branding that we can create, um, more of a dance style feel to it. And we can learn how to dance with each other to your point of relationships um because i think that where we are today is needlessly adversarial and i think it's time that we've got to shift to something more um egalitarian and more uh relationship -y. yeah res respectful right the thank you the, res the foundation of relationship any good relationship is based on the idea of mutual respect between both participants yes. so we have to learn to respect our respect our audience and respect the people that we're building connection with um, but we also have to be people that they want to respect as well. Right? There you go. Right. Yes. So, it is a two way street. It's a two way street. We need to up our game, folks. Yep. So, awesome. Well, thank you for chit chatting. Um, Absolutely. And um, I'm hoping that um, we can continue the conversation next week. I love it. We'll talk soon. Well, there you go. That's episode number one of the RM Rebelcast. Thank you so much for joining me, Alyn Bailey, and my partner in crime, Tracy Parsons, in discussing hot topics in the recruitment marketing landscape. This week, we had a fabulous conversation, I think, around what it means to create an ideal candidate experience. We went off on a little bit of a tangent and really explored the idea of what it means to create friction points when you're designing experiences. Love to hear what you think that means to you in your recruitment marketing practice. Hit us up on Twitter at rrebelcast. Um, give us your thoughts and ideas about this episode or even future episodes um, that you would like us to discuss. Have a great day out there, everybody. And remember, focus on relationships instead of transactions. That's what's going to make you awesome.
Welcome change agents to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change Podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.